Welcome to Inman Reconnect, bringing you the smartest conversations with the brightest minds in real estate. I'm your host, Clelia Peters. The first season of Inman Reconnect launches soon. As a preview, we're presenting five classic conversations from previous Inman Connect events. Today's episode features an onstage conversation with the always entertaining million-dollar listing star Ryan Serhant at Inman Connect New York 2019. Enjoy. Let's let's move right into it. Um, if you have read the book, uh, you're in for a treat. If you haven't, even more so, because you're going to learn all sorts of new and and fun stuff. Uh, first of all, I just found out that you were born in Houston. Yes. Not from New York City. No. Um, and I'm going to give a big disclaimer because I know this audience fairly well, and I want you all to know that his success was found way before you saw him on TV. Um, so throw away any preconceived notions that you have and listen to this man because he's good, like very, very good, and uh, he's very passionate about helping people become better salespeople. So is that correct? Yes. <laughs> all right. Let's dive. <laughs> let's dive right into it. Um, tell me what you love about sales uh, and why you're so freaking good at it. Oh man, I don't think I'm so freaking good at it. Um, I think that, listen, for me, I never really knew exactly what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I was always terrified about everyone who was so much smarter than me. Um, And I thought that they were all gonna be lawyers and bankers and doctors and just go on that path to success. And the only thing I was really good at was like playing dress up. Um, (laughs) And I was terrible at every sport known to man. I had no confidence whatsoever. I was totally self-conscious about literally everything. And then when I came to New York and tried to act, uh, it was really, really hard. And I, it didn't work out, right? And I ran out of money. Um, and then in the summer of 2008, I had a friend who said, listen, you know, don't go get a temp job. Don't be a bartender. Don't be a waiter. Like, there's this crazy thing called real estate brokerage called sales. <laughs> it's like, and it's New York City. And this is the summer of 2008. Um, Perfect. And he's like, it's post ads on Craigslist. People just buy apartments. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Real estate brokers are the worst. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be a real estate agent. Those people are awful. Um, and that was my true feeling at the time. Uh, it sort of changed. And so, <laughs> I, uh, and so I got my real estate license because he said, listen, a couple hundred bucks, click online, and you can then just you know, meet people and, on the street and sell them apartments. It'd be amazing. And for me, it was like this unbelievable moment where the harder I worked, which no one could change, the better my life could possibly be. Whereas when I was trying to act in the city, like I could work my ass off for six months and all I would do was spend money and get rejected to my face because of my face, Yeah. right? <laughs> like no one has never not bought an apartment from me because of my face. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people quit the business because of the level of rejection and that emotional roller coaster. But for me, it's like, this is the greatest thing in the world. Like, if you don't want an apartment from me, then I feel bad for you. And that was my <laughs> level of, that was kind of my level of confidence. Like, if you want to buy with somebody else, like, have you met other people? Like, <laughs> at least I'm a good person. Um, and I'm going to just work my ass off and no one can tell me no. And no one will ever, ever, ever tell me I've sold too much. Like, no one will ever say, you know what, Ryan? You sold a lot, but because the firm had a bad year, you're not going to get that commission. Like, that just doesn't happen. And so 
I, I'm just addicted to work, right? I'm addicted to like a strong work ethic. And if you've read the book or if you've seen Sell It Like Sirhan or you watch the vlog on YouTube, like that's, that's like my happy place. It's uh, interesting to me to hear your routine because I, 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 I know a lot of real estate agents. I know what their routine is and it yeah. sure as heck isn't like yours. So I don't know why we're trying to you know, recreate the wheel. A lot of you wake up or roll out of bed maybe, I don't know, a little bit late. Uh, can you give me just a quick breakdown of your morning routine and how you always say that your day starts the night before? Yeah, I, um, my day st does start the night before. Um, I wake up early. I wake up at about 4.30. Um, in part because when I was trying to, honestly, when I got into yeah. the business, right, I was in an office with like 20 other people and I had an incredible disadvantage because I wasn't Israeli in New York City, right? Hey. Yeah. <clears throat> I have no filter, by the way. <laughs> so, um, and I looked around at New York City real estate agents and developers and people doing deals. I wasn't Israeli. Um, I wasn't from Great Neck, right? Like I grew up outside Boston. I came to New York City and all these people doing all these deals all over the place. And they would all come into the office around like 8, 9 a.m. They'd have good networks. They'd know all these people. I had like khaki pants. And <laughs> the most money I'd ever made was getting paid 150 bucks an hour to hand model and hold phones for AT&T. I was like, what am I going to do differently? Like, how am I going to separate myself from everybody else? Which is a question I get a lot. And so I did the math. I said, okay, if I wake up early and work an extra two hours a day compared to everybody else, right? And so I, let's say I start work at like 5 a.m. instead of 7, 8 a.m. and stay extra productive two hours a day times Monday through Friday. So that's five days times four weeks in a month times 12. You do that math, that extra two hours a day for five days a week comes out to like 20 days extra. And then people say to me, they're like, oh yeah, but then you go to bed earlier. I'm like, well, one, no, I don't. And two, but I'm working the entire time. And you may stay up till midnight or 2 a.m., but you're not working. Like yeah. you're on Netflix, you're on Instagram, you're like sitting around, you're wasting your time. So that extra 20 days a year, I have as a leg up to my competition, and I've used it to my advantage for the last 10 years. Um, and so I wake up early, and I'm in the office early, and I have a large team, and I'm there before any of them, and I leave after all of them. Um, and my thing was always, and you can ask anyone that, that knows me or works for me, like, I don't know that many people. Yeah, I'm on a television show, but like, I get calls from people who want to sell farms in Panama, not like people who want to spend $100 million on condos. You know, the show is watched by 25 million people around the world, which is huge exposure for me on the sell side. Like those incoming calls are few and far between even now. Um, and I knew that because I didn't have the connections, my hook is going to be that I will outwork everybody. And it's not just that I'll outwork you today, I will outwork you with endurance and you will not be able to catch up. Yeah, I believe that if you, uh, if you research this man at all, I mean, all the things that you're doing at one time are very, very impressive. Um, I'd like for you to, I want the audience to, you know, leave here loving you and, and understand you better, but also- Do they not love away. me right now? Yeah, there were a few. Was so that too, too harsh? Many. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, he told us not to the work Israelis. hard. I don't they're, like that They're guy. not a fan of you. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I want to talk about, I, I'm sorry, I keep using the, um, the ball reference, but you talk yeah. about it a lot in the book, and I want everyone to understand that I'm not a psychopath when I leave here, because we don't talk about it. So let's, let's touch on balls? your balls. Yeah. <laughs> That's, well, didn't mean to say that either. Yeah, and, right. then, and then we will go into the, <laughs> the analogy that we used uh, with the salespeople like within stores. I really want to share that takeaway with them, because it'll make sure. them better. The book was actually called, when I wrote the proposal to sell it, it was actually called Balls Up. 
um, and I sold it as Balls Up. And then once I sold it, the publisher came to me and they're like, yeah, so, uh, you know this title of yours, probably, probably not great. Um, so we changed it to the, the, the Bravo show, Sell It Like Sirhant. And the idea for me, like my sales theory, kind of like what I just talked about, was like, I, I wanted to honestly control my happiness. Because a lot of agents, even myself in this business, like if you get a deal done, you're happy. Yeah. If you lose a deal or if you have a bad week or a bad month, you're unhappy. And that's, that is not great for productivity and it's not great for like life. Like I don't wanna, no matter how hard I work, I don't wanna be an unhappy real estate agent my whole life. Like that would just be awful. Um, and so for me, it would just became about how do I make a business of volume, right? How do I have as many clients as possible at any given time so that if one ball drops from the air and a deal dies, it's not the end of the world because I have so many others in play. And you do that through leverage, right? And you do that through other people. And you do that through amazing time management. And you do that, I mean, it's all in the book, you should buy it. Um, <laughs> and you do that through, uh, you know, kind of a, a confidence in yourself and your ability not to waste your own time, right. right? And so that's really kind of that balls up theory is that I can work with the, more clients than anybody else to, to protect myself against downside, especially right. in like this market. You know, it's incredibly important. Um, let's talk about what do you think that like 99 of 100 salespeople are doing wrong on a daily basis that you're getting right in that analogy about the salespeople within the, within the store? Oh, sure. I, they actually just mentioned it in the panel um, that was right before me. Um, he said that, you know, the number one mistake that all salespeople make is that they actually try to sell. Yeah. You know, like a watched pot never boils. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, you've either, there's a couple different types of salespeople, right? You've got really pushy salespeople who only work for the sale and they push, 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 push. And that can work sometimes, but over a period of time, it's not gonna work, right? Then you have people who are just tour guides and they just work for the client, right? And they will just yes every client to death. And they basically are professional light switchers, right? This is the kitchen. This is a bathroom. This is the neighborhood. Let's go to the next house. Oh, you don't want to be in this neighborhood? You want to go to the next one? Absolutely no problem because they're so afraid of losing the clients. Right. And then you have the agent in the middle who I really try to be and my team really tries to be who works for the deal, right? Mm -hmm. I work for the deal. I, and I will tell my clients to their face, like, I will be your best friend, but I'm not in this for you. Like, and I'm not working for you. I work for the deal. My fiduciary responsibility is to you or to you, but we work for the deal and we're gonna get the deal done. And that analogy kind of to, you know, the shoe salesman in the right. store, like you ever walk into a store and someone comes up to you and they're like, hey, how are you? Do you need anything? Do you want some help? Do you want a two for one special? Your feet look great, but those shoes are up and you're like, oh my God, no, please stop. I don't, and even as salespeople yeah. were like, oh, please don't sell me because no one likes to be sold. Yeah. Like people hate being sold, but they love shopping with friends. And so when you understand that, then it's about how do you make as many friends as possible yeah. so that when they're ever ready to move or buy or sell or rent or a friend of theirs is ready to move or buy or sell or rent, they will think of you because they'd rather work with a friend than with someone who's trying to give them a two for one special on that day. Yeah, uh, salespeople are sometimes the, the worst. So it's nice when we see someone doing it, doing it right. And something else that um, struck me uh, in this, when we become successful in real estate, our egos grow a little bit. And we yeah. feel like we you know, have the right to say certain things to certain people and um, be confident in what we do. Yeah. Uh, and when you touched on your client, who you call client, is it client X? Yeah, Mr. X. Mr. Yeah. X. Yeah. 
Um, he, he seemed like a really big personality, so maybe you can describe him, but you had to pull that ego back a little bit, because I know a lot of people in the audience that are maybe watching at home also feel that they would be like, give me a, like, give me a break when he made you wait so long and do this and that, but you, you, we're salespeople, we've got to swallow that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, first, on the ego thing, like, there's a difference between ego and confidence. Yeah. I think no one is going to buy anything from you if you don't have some confidence in what it is you're selling and in yourself. Right? That's not ego. Ego is like being too good for people. Like, we have to remember, I don't know how many people in here are just real estate agents, but like, we're not that special, right? <laughs> real estate agents are waiters. We service our clients. The real people are our clients with all that money buying and selling those homes. Like, I don't really do anything. Like, what do I actually do? Like, I market. I negotiate between people. I, you know, I deal with situations. I'm a therapist. I'm a psychologist. I run around. I manage a business of people who manage other people. But, like, I don't build these homes. I don't build these buildings. I'm not taking on all this debt to hopefully time the market correctly. So, like, real estate agents need to calm down. Um, <laughs> And yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, but it's true. Like in the moment you realize that, like my, you know, in front of every client I've ever worked with, like I am there for them. I work for them. Like I don't wear a suit for me. You know, like I don't want to wear a suit every day, nor do I want to wake up early every day. Like it blows my mind when people are like, oh, but that's like your persona. I'm like, no, man, I wear a suit so that I show respect to the clients I'm with every single day. Otherwise, I would be in sweatpants and a sweatshirt every day. Right? I look at personal trainers and I'm like, they have the life. Look what they get to wear. You know? I'm laughing because my husband has your same dreams. Yeah. 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 <laughs> One day, maybe I'll get there. Um, uh, you know, and the, like the waking up and the time management and all that, I do that for the clients, you know, so that they know that I'm on top of it before they even have to wake up. Um, but yeah, Mr. X, Mr. X. Yeah, Mr. X was a, a Nigerian spam email um, <laughs> that came through uh, when I first got into the business. Um, and, you know, I had no business at the time. So it's like, you don't judge a book by its cover. You know, anyone who ever emailed me, even now, I always write back and say, you just don't know. You just don't ever know. <laughs> and to make a long story short, I mean, he wanted to buy something on the Upper West Side, and we had no idea if he was real, and said, can you please send proof of funds? He sent a DHL to us, remember DHL? <laughs> with like a photo of an accountant on it, and that said that, you know, Mr. X does not commit to things that Mr. X will not commit to, and I'm like, that, that's good for me. Uh, <laughs> that's a good proof of funds. Um, and he went to contract on a property uh, on the Upper West Side for $8.3 million, which at the time was like the biggest deal. I, I mean, I was doing deals at like 600 grand at the time. Yeah. Um, and I literally couldn't believe it. He signed a contract. Uh, and then he completely ghosted us and disappeared. And the theory was that he was shopping the contract around, which people do, especially in New York City. They sign contracts on properties and they shop it around and they try to get people to give them money. So they scam people. So they say, listen, I've got a property in contract in New York City for $8.3 million. It's worth 12 give me $10,000, come in on it with me, these are the returns, and then they vanish, right? So people do do that, and we were pretty sure that's what it was. And then randomly one day, I'm down, down the West Side Highway, like a year later um, from this whole process, and the real estate attorney calls me, and he's like, you're not gonna believe it. Uh, I just got a, a wire for $830,000 um, from your special friend. I was like, no way. <laughs> 
oh my God, I am so rich now. <laughs> I could pay my rent. And then he completely vanished again and disappeared. I had to fly to Paris to try to find him. It was this whole thing uh, that I detail in the book. Um, because he it totally, to Paris yeah, it totally ruined my life. Really needing to meet anybody without really any money. Yeah, because I had, it great. was literally I was I, I needed that deal, right? And I was literally willing to do anything, and I still am to to this day. Um, and I met him, and he was real, and then he vanished again. And then I will never forget, like again, it's six months later, like the, the saga of my life. Uh, attorneys were trying to sue each other. The guy was not real. It was it was blood money. It was all this stuff. Um, and then randomly one morning he calls and says, I'm ready to close. And I'm like, what? <laughs> where do you, people are looking for you. Like, where are you? Like, you've held this apartment in contract for this whole time. And he's like, I'm at the Mandarin Oriental. I, he's like, can we close now? I'm like, uh, yeah. I'll be right there. <clears throat> so I call everyone, I race up there. I'm texting my mom like, hey, if you don't hear from me in the next couple hours, I've been, <laughs> I've been sold. Um, <laughs> You know, and uh, I get to the Mandarin Oriental and he doesn't come down for like an hour and a half. And I'm like losing my mind. I lost like years off my life that day. And then an hour and a half later, um, he comes down with like 13 other people and this fleet of tinted out bulletproof SUVs flies up right in front of the Mandarin Oriental. He comes down, he says, sorry, late, we go close now. I'm like, okay, uh, okay get in the car, have no idea what's happening. I'm like, do you want to go to the walkthrough? It's around the corner. We, in, in, in New York, we do walkthroughs. It doesn't even respond to me. And we go to JFK, um, which was a terrifying experience. <laughs> and uh, in the back of JFK, there was a special place that we pulled up and you had to do one thing first. And there was a massive, massive, what looked like a 747. Um, and he got out real quick, signed some papers, bought it, got back into the car. We went back into the city. He closed on that apartment and was really excited about taking a BBM photo with me for his profile. <laughs> um, and since then, we've done like $200 million together. And every deal has been equally painful. But you don't judge a book by its God. But he did $200 million with one of those scammer emails that we all get, that we all throw away. With caveat, though, most of those emails are really bad. Yeah, most of them are spam. Yeah, it's a Would virus. You never know. Sure. <laughs> Maybe only for you that will happen. Um, I, okay, we don't have a ton of time left, but I really want to touch on something that I thought was interesting. You said in the beginning stages of your career, you would get up, and you're like, I don't have anything to do until 3 o'clock. And then you came up with a system on you know, how to separate and come up with the three yeah. roles. So if yeah. you can share that. Yeah, so I break my day down um, because at the beginning of my career, I had no mentor, you know, no one told yeah. me what to do. It's like, go meet people, go network. I'm like, okay. Or it was post ads on Craigslist. It's like, okay. And so then my day, if I only had one appointment at one o'clock, like, what do you do as a real estate agent the rest of the day? Like, do you go to the <laughs> gym? Like what, do you, like, what do you do? You sit there, you stare at your computer. Like, you don't even know what to do. You make cold calls. That's so weird. Um, and so I looked at big companies uh, that were really successful, that were not me. And you know, they had this whole hierarchy of you know, executives. And so I said, I need to break my day down into three. I'm gonna have a portion of the day at the beginning that is just, and I call it finder, keeper, doer. And I still do it to this day. A portion of the day where I'm just the finder. 
during the day. I, I find business for myself. I prospect, I brainstorm. I think about the greater goal of my team and my own brand and my business. And it forces me to think about how I'm going to generate leads that day because at the end of the day, our only job is to generate leads. Like I'm not a marketer, I don't do anything else. My only job as a real estate agent is to generate new business, right? Just quarterback deals all day long. Then in the middle of the day from like 12 to one, I'm the keeper, so I just focus on the money and the financial health and advertising and budgets, which at the beginning of my career was like, I have $10 to spend today. Um, how many stamps can I get for $10? And I will send that building a letter and I will handwrite it because I can't afford to do the automatic thing. So it's like you always have some money to invest into your business every single day, so you have to. And then the rest of the day was doer, which was like foot soldier work that was stamping the envelopes and writing those letters and talking to the doormen and door knocking through Brooklyn and doing all that stuff. And then when you do that, then you are insanely busy and productive every single day, even if you just have one appointment at noon. Yeah. And it, it literally changed my life because it gave me progress, right? And it gave me productivity to look forward to every single day. So when I'd wake up, I'd say, I got to be in the office by eight o'clock, no later, because I've got Finder from eight to 10. And it sounds crazy, but if you do it, I swear to you, you will make more money. Sounds like you're a champion of, of time management for sure. And um, discipline too, right? Yeah. I think the most undisciplined people I've ever met are salespeople. Absolutely. And it's it, like, it blows my mind because the opportunity for salespeople especially for income, especially in today's day and age. Like it is 2019. We live in the fucking future, sorry. Yeah. And <laughs> Drop it. It's <laughs> like, it blows my mind how much opportunity there is out there just by talking to people in Starbucks, yeah. like on the street. You know, some of my first clients literally were pregnant women. And I would go up to them and ask them if they needed more space. And it worked. Like you laugh, <laughs> you laugh. Pregnant like, yeah. people need more space. <laughs> and like, we live in such an amazing time of opportunity where we don't just have to go to college and become bankers, and we don't just have to go to college, or we don't have to work in the coal mine, or we don't have to do what our parents did. Like, we can do whatever we want every single day, and sales is an incredible career to do that. And like, it, it's, it, I don't know, like, I love the business that we're in because there's absolutely no ceiling, and no one will ever tell me no, right? And I think that's why we're all here. There's nothing else that I could ask you to be more inspirational than dropping an F-bomb and saying that. So I'm going to end it there. Thank you, Ryan. We really appreciate you being here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inman Reconnect. Visit inman.com slash reconnect for all episodes of Inman Reconnect. In advance of the launch of our first season, please subscribe to Inman Reconnect in the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.